You are listening to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss our RC adventures. Welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of the new RC Flyer. Join your hosts, Michael and Jay, as they take flight at the park. Now on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast Studio. I'm Michael, and with me tonight, as always, is my good friend... Jay, here in Texas. <laughs> that doesn't sound as good I know, as the AK, as but as, I not, hear not you. So, not as much as the AK, but uh, I'm working on it. I gotta, I'll, find a, I'll find a nice hooky line to throw in there someday. <laughs> That's always exciting to have a hook. Uh, a hook and line and sinker. And sinker, yeah. All, all three. three. Yeah. Well, how's it going tonight? You got any uh, good news for us? Um, well, I, you know, I all I can say it's summer, and you should be out there flying. Hopefully, you're you're not running outside and being exposed to too many UV rays and and catching on fire the second you go outside, like I seem to be here in Texas. You know, I'm just a newbie <laughs> from Alaska, so I'm a little, I hate to say, it, timid when it comes to the sun. <laughs> but uh, uh yeah. i'm getting a little used to it yeah I, I it's been hot here i got a little burnt myself so i have to watch that wear a hat yeah, yeah wear a hat uh you know make sure you wear your uh you know suntan lotion um you know for me it's you bring out a cover you know that in fact a, you know a, a like a sun cover or something to shade yourself in planes it, it's just a whole different right. thought process from being in alaska just throw some stuff in a car drive out to the park you know just go fly it's sunny Woohoo! And here, you know, I got to be careful about what I throw in the car, how long I keep it in the car. I, you know, it's just yeah. the little things that I never had to think about that are just shocking me. So <laughs> don't forget the water. <laughs> don't forget the water. Yeah. <laughs> that type of thing. So, yeah. well, we have a, uh, an email from uh, Jim down in your neck of the woods and he was asking, uh, he's a glow guy. Yes, he is. From what I understand. And he was uh, in his email that he sent to us. He uh, basically was like, you know, how how do I pick a motor for electric? How do I, you know, put all that stuff together? And so tonight we're going to take the opportunity, uh, based on Jim's request, to discuss a little bit about motor combos, sizes, that kind of thing. Because we do realize that there's guys out at the park that uh, there is a, there is mass confusion out there when it comes to, and especially right. for guys like uh, Jim who are you know glow guys who are you know, dabbling a little bit in electrics and, and they're kind of curious because they get a motor and they're not sure what's going on or something burns up or catches on fire or it doesn't give them the performance right. they want or their, their batteries puff after one use, you know, it can be a little frustrating. So I, I guess the first thing to talk about is how it all, I guess what we should do is, is how it all fits together and then break it down part by part. So the, the whole motor combo starts with the propeller, the motor, and the ESC or what we call the escape. And th right. those are the three components that, and then the battery as well. Um, but those are the, the four components of the electric system that, that helps us get our airplanes off the ground. And then each one has its own idiosyncrasies or whatever to, you know, help, help the airplane do what it needs to do. So let's start with uh, basically the, the main body of it, which is the, the motor. And motors are designed uh, as two two types. There's an in-runner or an out-runner motor. True. Uh, and the, uh, the the way to look at it is an in-runner is um, an enclosed can. 
Um, it just the only thing that spins on it is the shaft. It's the only part that spins. You could hold it in your hand, and if you turned it on, the only thing that would spin out of it would be the shaft. Um, an outrunner, the whole case, the outer case may move, you know, along with the shaft, it, you know, rotates. And it's just all how the magnets are laid out in, in the system. Typically, an in-runner is used for models where the motor goes um, more inside or, you know, it's a very tight fitting and you don't have a lot of room. Um, outrunners, they're a little cheaper to make. Uh, they're used for models, uh, most typical models uh, where you have, you know, enough room around the motor uh, where the case can spin, that, that sort of thing. Uh, like if you have like some of the fancy gliders, they're real tight fitting. Well, then you'd use an in-runner motor because then you could just slide it right in and then protrude the shaft right out of the end of the plane. And that would just attach a propeller and fly with it where the outrunner, not so much. You have to make sure you have uh, enough room so that whole case could spin inside the enclosure. Yeah, and the end runners, uh, a lot of the end runners are used for EDFs because yes. they just slide. You know, they're long, they're thin, and they they have this little shaft sticks out, and they just slide them in there and attach that EDF blade to the right. They go into the so housing, the that. EDF housing, which is actually you know anywhere from five to well four to twelve blades which spins around that EDF motor goes, you know, slides into this, sh- this housing gets screwed down inside the housing is held firm. And then you just attach the blades to the out- outer part right. of it that spins and, you know, makes the EDF. And then, uh, like you mentioned the gliders, but some of the airplanes can use gear boxes. Yes. They do have gear boxes. And so they, you can, you can put the end runner, uh, with a gearbox and kind of do a, either an increase or decrease. Right. They're, they're not as popular as they were yeah. because uh, typically right. they used to do that when they just had, uh, before they had uh, brushless motors. They, that was used mainly for brushed motors. They weren't as powerful right. and they didn't provide as much, you know, wattage or power to the, to the, uh, to the system. So for most uh, airplanes that we fly, the 3D airplanes, the um, warbirds, all the, all those kind of things, they typically use uh an outrunner motor. It's a big bell housing around some electrical wires. And the first thing we need to look at is the size of the motor. And so the size of the motor usually comes what we think as, you know, the way we think of that size of the motor is either a 10, a 20, 30, 60, 90, a hundred. And, and there, it usually equates itself to something in the glow world. So if you have a if you have a ten, which Hacker makes a a twenty ten motor, which is a very small motor. It's about the size of a quarter, and it's for indoor lightweight foamy type airplanes. Um, doesn't have a whole lot of power. It can accept a, lo- a little bit larger prop, and then you can fly with indoor stuff. The bigger airplanes, like my Cub, has a sixty on it, which is equivalent to a glow. Right. A glow six, uh, a 60 glow, uh, 60 glow. Right. So a lot of the companies now are kind of putting the, I guess you would call it, they're matching it. You know, they're calling it a model match where you can basically say, well, I have a, a, a 60 glow. I need a 60, uh, electric motor right. as well. Right. And it does simplify things by, by doing that. And, and you'll see them out there. Well, they'll, they'll actually say this is the equivalent of a 40 glow motor right. or a 60 glow motor or a 90 glow motor. Um, or even, you know, even for the equivalent of some gas ones as well. Um, so 
definitely simplifies things and helps people make that translation. But like you said, for the smaller motors, you know, something under that 40 size and under, it gets a little mysterious as to which one I should select, which one I should use. There's all these numbers. What do they mean? So right. that's where people, the confusion so, comes So in. the first number, let's say the, the hacker, we'll use that as the example, is a 2010. The the first number is usually the can length, how how long the the actual motor is. Yes. So I I mean I have some I have a whole stack of motors in the other room from various com- uh, companies, and usually you know depending on the company they'll do like a forty three, a forty forty three. So that's usually a forty size motor with a forty three inch can, and then there's usually another number associated that's called a KV. Yes, that's very important. And the KV is usually somewhere like I have the 40 size motor, 43 inch can, and the KV is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is like 850. Right. The higher the KV, the the smaller the prop is going to be, typically. So let's take our wings, for instance. The wings run off of a 28, right? Right. I think it's It's a a 28 inch can, or not inch, uh, a 28 uh, millimeter. millimeter diameter can. Right. And then it's a uh, 2,700 kV. 2,700 kV. So it's got a lot higher kV than my 800. So therefore, the maximum blade on that particular one is about six inches. Yeah, about six, seven inches. Right. Right. What happens if I run a bigger prop on that kV motor? Okay. So this is where this is where the confusion starts to lie. Now, can you put a smaller prop on there? Yes. Can you put a bigger prop on there? Yes. The answer is yes. And this is what drives people crazy because you go, yes, yes. Well, how big of one? Can I put a 14-inch one on there? Well, probably not. It's probably going to burn up and make pretty smoke, blue smoke come out of all the instruments. Before we even go there, realistically for for people, you know, like I said, this gets real confusing. But one device you need to really have, it's called a watt meter. And, and you can kind of think of it, it's kind of like having a multimeter. Um, if you've ever seen a multimeter and it does a, a couple of different things. Well, a watt meter basically tells you how many watts you're using. It also can tell you how many amps you're using. It tells you the voltage. And this is a very important tool because as we start to talk about this a little bit more, you really need to know the specs of your motor. You know, what, how many amps it can take, how many watts it's supposed to deliver, and that's going to be very, very important because you can have a different size prop depending on just as long as you don't exceed the amps that that motor can take. So how do you know this? Well, they kind of give you some references. If it's a good motor company, they'll actually give you references and say, hey, you know, if you use these props, this is about what you should be getting out of them. And it's, it's a pretty good reference for things. But for a lot of motors, they may not give you that information. You know, they may give you the basic information that this motor can only take, say, 30 amps. What size prop can I use with that? Hopefully, you know, you have a, they might have gave you a clue as to about the size you're going to need that you can start off with, but you may have to put different types of props on different pitches, all those things to basically see what the watt meter may be giving you back. So let's say, for example, um, in your example, you put that (laughs) on that motor, you put a 14 inch prop on there, you begin to spin it up and you see that immediately it jumps up to 60 amps. And let's say that motor can only take 30 amps and it's like two seconds into barely moving the throttle. You see it jumps up to 60, you know, whoa, that, that prop is way too big. 
You need something a lot smaller. And so you could either, like I said, you get a lot of good references, RC groups, you know, just looking around on Google, looking at motor, the guys who make the motor, you know, they usually give you some references so you can get down to about what you need or about the size of the prop you're going to use. You know, once again, you get another prop, try it. And then you go, well, this should take an eight, let's say this should take an eight inch prop. You stick an eight inch prop on there. And once again, you see that it it starts running at 45 amps and you go, whoa, that's, it says it's supposed to take an eight. This one isn't quite, it's, it's way over the amperage. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll move down to a seven, a seven inch prop. And then all of a sudden you're just around 30 or maybe you're 29, 30. And then you know that you're, uh, you know, you're at, you're at the max for that particular motor. And I know that sounds kind of a roundabout thing, but it really helps if, you know, once again, if you buy more name brand motors, you can get that information and they can give you that, those starting references that you need. But um, let's say, once again, we know that for this particular motor, it takes between a six and seven inch prop. Well, let's say you want to get, you know, you could, you could go with a six, six by six prop. And that's going to give you a lot of speed for that particular plane. Um, you, you know, it's not a, it's not a wing. Let's say it's just a regular plane. Let's just say it doesn't give you enough clearance. A six inch prop would strike the ground just with the wheels that you have. And you go, well, I need a five inch prop. Okay. Well, you can put a five, five inch prop on there and it'll run the plane, but it doesn't give you the oomph that that six inch prop did. Well, what do you do now? Well, you could either, you could either take the pitch lower, a lower pitch may give you more power, more torque, or you might go to a three inch, uh, a three bladed uh, propeller, right? And uh, right. that that's going to give you the equivalent of a six inch prop. Uh, and that, that may be a, a good reference or you up the voltage. If you up the voltage, it gives you more power. Let's say you're running on a three cell battery. You move up to a four cell battery. You, once again, you put it on the watt meter. Lo and behold, it, it ends up giving you the same amount of power for, you know, uh, basically the same amount of amps. But you may actually find out that you're getting even more power out of this thing. You know, it may be lower amps than you had before. And you're like, wow, this is awesome. Without that tool, having that watt meter that you can put these things on, try different combinations, it's almost impossible to just, you know, like, you know, some guy tells you, hey, I use this and you try it. And, you know, next thing you know, you smoke something. That's where people get confu- get very confused with this stuff. So we can we can just do a gouge here so that um, the lower the KV, the larger the propeller, and probably the more amperage you can put through it. The higher the KV, the smaller the propeller, and probably less amps. And trust me, I know because I had a 3,000 KV motor that was supposed to run on like a four, three or four inch prop. I put a 12 inch prop on it and a three cell battery. Now, let me tell you this thing. When I let go of it, this thing went like a homesick angel. That sucker took off. You had super performance. Oh my gosh. It had so much power, so much energy. I just couldn't believe it for right about 10 seconds. It took off out of my hands. It went skyward, and, man, this thing was moving. And I was like, wow, this thing has got some serious performance. Right about that time, there was a big puff of blue smoke. The engine quit, and down she came. Now, luckily, 
I dead sticked it right to the ground. It was not that big, you know, it was a, it was a blue core foamy kind of thing. But when I got down, I thought, what the heck is wrong with this motor? I turned it over and the wires were literally burnt. <laughs> so when I did a little research, I realized that, you know, jumping from a four inch prop to a 12 inch prop, put my amperage up, you know, like almost a hundred amps for a 12 amp ESC and motor. <laughs> and, uh, it, it, it didn't it didn't last very long and I smoked the motor pretty easily. So the higher the KV, smaller motor, lower the KV, bigger motor, but bigger prop as well. Right. And that's that's a general that's a good general rule that you can use. Now I will tell you that there is a a a, a program out there. I use it occasionally. Uh I believe it's called M- Motocalc. Motocalc the name of that. Yes. And if you go out in the web, you can see there's a bunch of, there's a couple of different apps that are out there that you can get that you can right. run on your phone or right. on your computer that take a lot of the guesswork out. And they have this information, uh, you know, people have already input this information depending on the motor. You know, you can put in, I, I want, I have a plane, it weighs this much. I want to get this kind of performance out of it. This is the size motor that I have or what I'm looking to use. And it can fill in the rest of the information for you. It's, it's quite helpful. So you mentioned earlier, um, you know, about picking a motor prop combo or whatever, but let's say that I have one of my glow airplanes. It's, it's a 55 inch. It uses a, a 30 glow motor and I'm tired of being, you know, the glow and I want to convert it to electric, right? which I can do. Yes. So now I pull the glow motor off and, and I think to myself, all right, how do I pick this? How do I pick this motor? What motor would would work well with this particular model? Well, I will tell you that the main portion that I'm looking at is how many watts that this motor will produce because the watts out of electricity is what gives my airplane the ability to move the weight. And there's a formula for that. Right, you, you probably know it right off the top of your head, but I think it's one uh, one hundred per pound. Yeah, it's uh, hundred watts, hundred watts per pound. Let's say that you said that model you said would weigh five pounds. Right. So if you wanted to get performance out of it, you'd want to look for a motor that gave you at least five hundred watts of power, and you should be able to fly that plane around. Um, right. There's another little calculation that basically says that 500 watts will fly the plane. Are you going to get spectacular takeoff, hover the aircraft, um, you know, accelerate to the sky? No, not not with five five pounds with 500 watts. You're going to be able to fly around normally, scale very scale like, and it's going to be easy to fly. But if you want to get a little bit more performance, well, then um, there's another thing that basically says that uh, if you want to get acrobatic, then you're going to need 150 watts per pound. And then if you want to get extreme performance, you want to have at least 200 watts per pound. So it's almost a two to one ratio. And that's a kind of a good rule. Of course, you can get higher than that, but between, you know, that 100 to 200 watt range will basically, you'll understand what you're going to need for, for the performance out of your plane. Right. Those are good. Those are good gouges. I mean, I think that, uh, most of my 3D airplanes have somewhere somewhere around 150 to 200 watts per pound. Right. The bigger ones, mm-hmm. anyway. So now we find this um, this watt meter. The outside of the box tells us that with a 13-inch prop, this 40-size you know, glow motor or this 
this 40, 43, you know, electric motor will give me 2000 Watts. Oof. So that's a lot. That's a I lot. I mean, for a five pound airplane, mm-hmm. you know, if we think about it, that's uh that's, that's a 3d type airplane, 2000 Watts. Now, how do I f- pick the ESC to go with this? Well, once again, you, this is where you look at the box and you see that that particular motor, let's say that particular motor takes a 50, 50 amp. It takes 50 amps for that particular motor. Okay. To run on. So you know that you, you need a minimum of a 50 amp escape or ESC to go with that motor combination because it tells you it, it, you know, it's max is 50 for me. I might, I might go with a 60 amp uh, escape to go with that motor. Because that way I can I can push that system a little bit over what what the recommendation is for the motor and still be safe. I know I won't blow up my escape if if I happen to go a little higher or lower, you know. And that sometimes right. happens. It could be a hot day. It could be you know there could be various reasons why you may be right at the maximum limit and uh, having the escape just have a little bit more oomph to cover that is okay. You don't want that. You, what you don't want to do is say, well, I only have a thirty amp. I'll just keep it at three quarters throttle. <laughs> I should be fine. Exactly. It never, it yeah. never works out that way. Somewhere you push it full power somewhere. You're doing something or you go, wow, this is performing great. And then you go, wow, I didn't know this had a smoking system. This is cool. Look at, look at the smoke <laughs> that's pouring out of this thing. It's beautiful. So basically on the, on an outrunner, there's three wires that come out of the back of the motor. Yes. And those three wires are basically the three phases, and they plug into this ESC, which is a circuit board that basically controls the motor. And then on the end of that, on the opposite end of that ESC should be three wires. Uh, Two of them are for battery connectors, Mm -hmm. and you can put your favorite battery connector on the red and black wire. And the other wire coming out is actually a servo wire. It looks very much like a servo right. wire, and it plugs into your receiver and into the throttle port. Right. And so now when you fire up your radio, the ESC will do its little song and dance because it does a little chimes, you know, to, to kind of power it up. And I add power, and the airplane moves backwards. Uh-oh. Instead of forwards. Yeah, that's this, is, this confuses a lot of people. And now... This does make no sense to me. <laughs> That's probably the wrong thing to say. <laughs> uh, now that it moves backwards, it doesn't make any sense because I have it all connected, and it powers up, and it goes through its little sequence. But when I add throttle, it pushes the airplane back towards me instead of pulling it away from me. Right. How do I fix that? Uh, like you said, um, the big change came with, with electric power, and it started right when we about when we started flying, you know, all those years ago when brushless right. started coming on the scene and becoming popular and cheap. Well, you got to remember motors before that were strictly a, a DC or are brushed, meaning just like any other brushed motor, you know, positive, negative, you know, you swap them around, it goes the other way. It goes backwards, forwards, backwards, forwards, depending on which way you do it. Very easy to figure out. Well, with the new motors, with these AC, they were with these uh, brushless motors, you're, well, what does that mean? Well, they're, the old motors were DC, the new mowers being brushless, they're AC, just like your current in your house. There's three phases. Okay. There's, and so that, that, that escape basically takes it and converts it into AC, AC power. 
three phases. And so, okay, so it's going backwards now. Well, what do I do? I mean, these things aren't color coded. They're just all black or they're all yellow or all red. How can I tell? What do I have to do? Well, since it's AC, it's real simple. You just take any two mo- any two wires, it doesn't matter what two, and you swap them. You're just changing wh- where the phases are. And so it doesn't matter what two wires you take, just take them, swap them, and it's going to make it run in, in the opposite direction. It's just real simple. So that fi- that just simple two-minute fix fixed my problem. So now the motor's running in the right now direction. Now it's running in the right direction. Easy peasy. You don't have, you know, a lot of, like sometimes you, you may get these motors. Let's say, let's say you buy uh, like E-Flight. E-Flight's pretty good about this. You'll get, right. you'll get an e you'll buy a plane and let's say you're, you're taking it apart or you're putting it together. It'll have the escape there and, or the SC sitting there in front of you and you go to hook it up to the motor and it'll be color coded and it'll be like red, green, black or something. The motor in on the escape and you just put the color the color codes together and the thing goes the right direction. So they kind of take that that guesswork out for you, but let's say you wanted to upgrade that motor and the next motor you get to put in there, which is more powerful, it's not red, green or black and people are just totally confused as to well what do I do? You know, <laughs> you know, now do I have to buy a new escape? No. You you just have to swap <laughs> any two wires around and and it'll work. So makes it pretty easy. Yep. It's a very simple solution, honestly. And once you understand how it works, it it's very easy. It just motor runs backwards, flop the wires, motor runs forward. You're good to go. Now, why shouldn't I buy a hundred amp ESC? Why do I? Why, I mean, you mentioned that you know the motor has a a fifty amps max and a burst of an, what sixty. Why can't I buy like some big two hundred? 200 so uh, let's let's you know we'll we'll make this kind of ridiculous let's say you have this tiny plane and so the plane only needs a motor that uh it only takes 10 amps to run this thing you know maximum right right and so you look in your you look in your box and you happen to have an 80 amp you know escape there well can i use that sure you could stick that in your plane and use it well, your plane only weighed an ounce. <laughs> you know, there was just well, a now light. it weighs like now it weighs like two pounds. Right. It was only an indoor model for flying indoors. That ADM escape will work. It'll run. It'll run that thing, and you'll you'll never have to worry about burning the escape up. You know, there's nothing you could. There's no unless you're putting on a twenty a twenty inch prop on there. You know, there's nothing that you could do to <laughs> burn that thing up. Um, you'll burn the motor up before you burn the escape up, which is really hard to do, but right. you can do it. That escape, if you look at the size of a 10 amp escape to an 80 amp escape, it's it's quite a difference. There's a huge heat sink on that thing. Like you said, it may weigh two two ounces, three ounces by itself. You just have too much escape for your need for flying. Go ahead and get a 10 or a 15 or a 20 amp escape, and you'll be fine. You know, and and you'll keep the weight down in the size too. It may not fit in your model because it's so huge. Yeah, the cost, the cost as oh, well. The, that, the cost, yes, that little know, thing. I, one hundred and fifty to two hundred amp ESC is probably hundred plus dollars. Right. Where uh, twelve, twelve or eight or six amp ESC it's is only ten bucks, fifteen bucks, ten dollars. Yes, there's a big yeah, difference. It's a huge difference. The main batteries that we use, the three or four or five, six, whatever the cell count is, it gives us uh, uh, energy to power up the ESC, and then you know the next step is the ESC to the motor. So I want to make sure that whatever max my motor is on a burst. That's the way I usually pick it by the burst. So if if your motor has a fifty amp, 
you know, it, it's good for 50 amps, but it's got a burst rating of 70. I usually go with a 70 ESC. Right. Or 80. Right. Or 80. Right. So that it can actually have its max and not burn up my ESC because I have done that before too. I had an ESC in my box. I didn't know what it, you know, what the rating of it was. I thought it was a 30. It was actually a 20. I put it on a bigger motor. I went out and flew it. Next thing I know, I'm smelling smoke, and my ESC is, you know, literally melted inside the airplane because I pushed too much. It wasn't that the battery and the motor combo uh, couldn't handle the 50 amps that it was producing. It was the ESC that was only a 20 amp ESC versus a 30 amp ESC, which is what I should have, you know, I should have had more like a 50 amp. Right, and and the modern, you know, escapes that we're using nowadays, the nice part about them is, let's say, like you said, let's say the motor takes a 30 amp, you know, it can run 30 amps. Well, you can go out and buy a 30 amp escape and you'll be, and you will be fine because even though the, the escape says it can take 30 amps, generally they build into it about a five to 10 amp, you know, they realize that people are going to you know be doing whatever with their systems. And so they kind of build in this little safety about a 10 amp safety limit, you know, burst safety limit. So that mode, you know, that escape should be fine up to 40 amps. Now, not continuously, but for a little short burst, it should be fine. So that's why I was saying, if you, you know, if the, you know, if you're going to buy something to put in there, hey, if you can buy, a, you know, a 40 amp costs the same as a 30 amp, and it's the same size and everything, yeah, go ahead and get a 40 amp escape, stick it in the system, and now you don't, you don't have to worry about that burst or something happening, or, or you know, you're now you have an escape that can more than handle anything that that motor and battery combo are, are going to put out to it. So, right. So now I've got the ESC, the battery, the ESC, and the motor. They kind of match. I've I've looked at everything. And then now I come to that propeller. And we talked a little bit earlier about it because you said that I can't put a bigger propeller on a small one. But let's say in Jim's case, he has this 40 amp. We're talking about his, you know, his big 3D airplane. I need a couple thousand watts to get the thing to, you know, hover and do some other stuff, have a good punch out of there. So I'm going to use a four cell. Uh, I'm going to use a you know forty glow equivalent motor. I've got my eighty amp ESC. My motor is you know good for up to fifty, and then you know a seventy burst. But now I have to decide this propeller. And there's several different types of propellers. Uh, you know, there's the APC ones, which are all plastic. There's uh, wooden ones. Uh, there's GWS ones for something smaller, but in this particular case, with a 40 amp, I'm going to go with something in that 13 uh, to 14 range, and the pitch has to be equivalent to, um, you know, what I'm going to use it for. Right. So let's say let's say that there's the if you think about it this way, the lower the pitch, the faster it's going to go. The lower the pitch, or, or the, the no, I think it's the opposite. The opposite. The higher the pitch, the faster it's going to yes, go. And because a six six prop is faster than a six four prop. Yep. So you, you have to look at that pitch and see if it's flat. The fl- the flatter the pitch, the more speed it's built for. So like in a, in the glow instance, I know those glow props have really flat. You know they look really flat. They don't have a really high pitch attitude to them. They're kind of flat. And it's because the you know they're built for moving the airplane forward and and having a little bit of speed to them, where the electric 
um, propellers are are different than the glow. They actually have these pitches from a. I think I've seen in the in the thirteens. I think I've seen a thirteen four all the way through a thirteen ten or twelve. Sure. Well, once again, the difference between glow and electric, the the greater thing for electric is is that you get instantaneous power where of course with the glow engine you have to build up your rpms to a certain you know to a certain rpm and and you're holding that rpm to get your speed you know and it may take you know that five seconds for that power band to happen where one second you know i'm i'm from zero to 100 with an electric motor i have instant torque i have instant you know i'm I'm getting trying to get my speed so i don't have to build up to anything it's just there right well, most of my 3D airplanes that weigh in that, you know, four to five pounds and have use a 40-size uh, glow motor equivalent uh, usually run on a 13.6. That's usually what I run. Uh, I do have one or two that have a 14.8. Uh, but now that I have the the propeller, and I'm a, I'm, I don't know what you use. I'm very fond of the wooden propellers. Oh, that's all. Mainly because that I have. <laughs> oh, what, what were you going to say? Main, you can't see because, he's pointing you know, at I, his fingers. <laughs> Yeah, I want to have all my phalanges in in place, but I I do have some scars for some a, ACP type propellers. Uh, the ACP are great propellers; they're you know very rigid. They don't break very easily. Um, the wooden prop to me gives a little bit more uh, smoothness to it, I think, and they're easier to balance for me. But that's just my preference. Yeah, I, I was really saying, you know, props are based, that comes down to our personal, you know, preference, uh, whether you want to use wood, whether you want to use uh, a plastic prop, or or if you want to use uh, a carbon prop. And, uh, and as I'm pointing at my finger, I'm missing the little tip of my finger because I used a carbon yeah. prop. And if you heard the episode that we talked about going to the hospital, yeah, um, I cut myself very well with the carbon prop. So um, you just, it just all yeah. comes down to, what you like and how much you want to spend. That's true. Cause the plastic ones are usually cheaper than the wooden ones. And then if you really have a bankroll, you can, you can buy the carbon fiber. Cause I've seen carbon fiber props up into the couple hundred yes. dollars. Absolutely. 150, $200. Absolutely. Around in there. So, you know, it, they look good. it just all depends on the plane, the look of the plane, what you want. Um, just all depends. Well, I do a lot of scale stuff on my cub. It has a wooden one. Uh, most of my 3D ones have wooden one, uh, wooden props as well. I just kind of they're they're Zor props. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got a good deal on some of them, so I bought some to uh, to kind of put on the airplane. I, I do like them. They they travel well. They sound better. They they don't they don't slice me up. I've been hit by a wooden prop and I didn't get cut near as bad as that Ginsu knife of an ACP that I've used <laughs> once or twice. <laughs> But I I do like the power that the ACPs have because they're they're uh, very speedy and very um, you know um, what's the word I'm looking for the the, the ACPs on the I, I use those on my wing ACP props right. on my wing or it's a similar it's not the ACP it's a gym fan I think yeah. but they're made out of the same material. Now we talked about you know the front of the oh. plane so we have the power we have our we have our motor we have our escape. Let's talk about the battery. Okay. So I, I use a three or four cell. Or what difference does it make? And can uh, I, it doesn't. Can I use it, a four? It, it, if it requires a four cell, can I use a three cell? Sure. Um, just realize that you're just not going to have the same amount of voltage. You're not going to have the same amount of power. 
And you could see this by once again, hooking up your watt meter. And let's say you hook up a, a system and you're getting 300 watts out of, out of your system with, with the four cell battery. You put on a three cell battery. Well, at the same power range with the same prop, uh, you may only get, um, you know, 200, you know, that's quite a difference in performance. True. The plane will still fly. You're just not going to get the same performance out of it. You can still get the same performance out of it. Let's say the prop you're using was a 10 inch prop. So typically, uh, you know, if you drop the voltage like that, you go up one inch in size. So now you put on 11 inch prop and you should get close to what wattage range you were getting before more voltage, you know, you have more voltage drop down an inch, you you less voltage, you go up an inch. Yeah, I've done that before and you can see it. And that's the good news about the watt meter is that you can actually physically see the change, you know, because I, I, for instance, my, my, um, we were doing that on my pits S 12, you know, Mm -hmm. I was using a six cell. We tried it with a four cell and you know, it just wasn't producing enough. Went to a six cell, tried it on an eight cell, the eight cell three blade, little too much. You know, the, the 16 inch prop that I had was, was a little much, uh, for that eight cell, but it worked perfect with a six cell. Four cell was more realistic, you know, for that pits S 12, but the six cell really gave it that, that extra power that I have. I only had to fly the, with half throttle compared to full throttle. Right. Uh, And and it depends on your flying style as well. It's true. You know, folks, because if, you know, like we talk about our wings all the time, like we like flying our wings. Well, we like flying at, you know, hundred miles an hour and just going crazy with them. Um, where somebody else, if, you know, flying the same wing or a similar wing may not want to fly that speed or, or recklessly like we do, they <laughs> Re- just want, they just might want to put, put around and, <laughs> and just fly around and enjoy the, the wing, you know, actually being able to see the wing. Right. So it depends on your style of flying too. That that's, that's the biggest thing that comes into this as well. Um, where, like I said, you can get away flying with that hundred Watts, uh, reference that I said before, where Mike and I typically are always pushing 150 to 200 on like all our planes. It's just the way we are and the way the style of flying that we like. So, sure. you know, should, should a cub be able to hover? No. <laughs> Speed. <laughs> Does the one that he has, can it do that? Yes. yes. So it depends on your style of flying folks. That's, that's basically what we're saying here as well. But anyway, uh, back to the battery. So, um, depending on the style of flying that you're having, whether you're going to fly a three cell or four cell or a two cell, once again, it kind of comes into how much room do you have, right? And in, in, in the bay of the body of the or the, or the fuselage. Biggest thing is let's say let's just say the plane has room for you know, and it's said by the manufacturer that it takes a three or a four cell battery. Okay, great. And you know it's going to be I don't know. Let's just say it's a twenty two hundred, um, you know, three cell battery that you're going to go put in there. So you see there's a sale at the store and they have a bunch of 2,200 batteries on sale and they're eight bucks a piece. And you're like, Oh, geez, they're like giving these things away. And you buy half a dozen of them <laughs> and you try and you try and you, you run out and you hook up the first one, you go out and you, you go out and, and, and you run up your plane and you take it off and it takes off. Okay. And after a minute, it seems like it's struggling. And then after like three minutes, you know, you're like, oh, it looks like it's ready to land. And you come back and you land it and you open it up to take it out, put it in a fresh one. 
and you see that it's like doubled its size and it's all puffy and it's about to pop out of the it's busting <laughs> it's busting the uh, shrink wrap that it was put in. You're like, holy crap! It's just puffed up like the state puff puff. Puff Boy, you know, just totally puffed up. What is this? There's a C rating that comes with the battery as well as to how much how much energy it can dump into that motor combo that you've come up with. And that's the next part of this that's kind of interesting or confuses a lot of people because you go, well, I, I that's a brand new battery. It shouldn't have puffed. You know, it's not like five years old and I'm trying to fly with this thing. No, it's brand right. new. It should be, should be great. Well... Let's say you were trying to fly with a 15C battery, but the demands of your system needed a 30C battery. Well, you know, your your little battery is going to try as hard as it can, but uh, it's not going to fare too well after trying to put out all that juice that it, a capacity that it just doesn't have. Right. That's the, I I have a I have several puffed batteries on my uh, in my box. Right. And and it, and it happens for various reasons, you know, once again, the age of the battery and how you treat the battery right. and, and things like that. But, you know, let's just say you're, you're, you're treating your batteries well. You, you normally only fly, fly them down to 30 to 50%. You know, um, you, you don't treat them hard or let them sit out in the hot baking sun or, or let them freeze outside or whatever. You're, <laughs> you're decent to them. Um, but really, the next thing you have to look at is the demands of your system. And not to say it takes a little bit of math, but it's just all the things we've been talking about, looking at what, what demands the, you know, the, the motor needs, what demands the, uh, the escape can, can handle. Um, and in there as well, it, like Mike was talking about, it may tell you what burst or what types of demands it has. And hopefully your motor has that information or you can find that information because then you can gauge, well, do I need to go out and buy the, the newest battery there is out there? For you know, 150 bat, you know, 150 dollars for this, you know, super battery that puts out 150 C. Mm, probably not. You know, do you just need to buy a 25 or 30 C battery? Well, probably so. It just, it just all depends with the setup of your, of your, of your motor combo. Yeah, for my 3D type stuff, I usually always try to get a 40, 40 C rating or higher. And then for my EDFs, I try to get 60 to 90 C ratings. Right. And and basically what I tell people is, you know, depending on the, once again, depending on the style of, of what you're able to, of what you're flying, if you know what the, the you know, what the baseline for, for your plane is, buy as much C rating as you can afford, Right. If you, you know, if your plane takes a 30C, let's say you can take a 30C battery, you know, capacity battery, you know, that's all it needs. Well, do you need to buy a 65C? Yes. Well, is, sure. <laughs> I, can, oh, oh I'm sorry. It. I thought it's you were gonna, asking me. That wasn't a question. No, no, I'm no, going to buy no, I'm going to buy a 60C. Uh. <laughs> what I'm basically saying is, yes, you can buy a 65C battery for it. You could buy a 100C battery for it. You know, but you're only going to, you know, for, for what you're going to get from it, you're, 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 are you going to get extra performance from it? You'll get a little bit. For a prop plane, you, you probably won't notice the difference. No. For an EDF plane, yes, you will notice the difference. It's in that we'll have to talk about that in another podcast about sure. EDFs and, and, and prop driven planes. But, but basically, you know, do you need to spend that money? And I will say, no, probably not. You could probably get the cheaper 25 to 30. 35 C batteries and you'll be fine. Um, 
but you have to know for the, you know, once again, the style and the type of, you know, and the setup that you have, what it's going to be drawing, what the demands are for a battery. You know, if you think back to when we first started, we were using 5C, 10C, 20C batteries, man. When we got, when the 20C batteries came out, we were like, woohoo, look at all this power we got. Uh, so you can use, you know, lower C rated batteries. It's not going to hurt. Uh, it doesn't degrade the performance uh, that right. much, but some of the newer systems, they're they're capable of, of absorbing more than 5C at a time. Because the early right. motors that they came out, the early, in, you know, outrunners, they were really, you know, I don't want to say poorly wound, but they were, They I have a couple, and they, they weren't the best wound, you know, type. Uh, That's motors. true, but, but basically it comes down to, you know, once again, if you have a 10-inch prop plane and it just buzzes around, you know, the field, doesn't do anything too crazy, it's not going to be too amp hungry, it's not going right. to, it doesn't need that many, that much C rating in order to fly, you know, and even acro, doing some acrobatics, it just doesn't need it because it's a lower KV motor, it's providing a lot of, a lot of thrust, Pork. you know, um, and torque, so you, you're just not. It just doesn't need a higher amp uh, amp rating. Where our wings that are flying 100 miles an hour, that were you know that were pushing, right. you know, for these short bursts, where it's it's a huge, tremendous drain upon the battery. It's it's amp hungry. It's just sucking the life out of that battery, and it needs a huge fire hose to give it you know all the juice and capacity that it can get during those short bursts that we're running it. You know, where once again, the other plane that's just, you know, our trainer type plane, it's, it could fly around on a 20C battery. It's not, it's just sipping it with a, a teeny tiny straw right. where the other one that needs a fire hose, you know, you just have to look at the capacity, uh, you know, when you, when you look at the motor that you're putting in this and what you're asking it to do as to the C rating that you're going to need. Yep. That sounds uh, logical to me. I um, hope that helps out, you know, the, the understanding of uh, yeah. how to put it together. The main thing is, is that the first thing when we put an airplane together, the first thing we look for technically is a motor. That's really what we look for. How much, you know, when I do the research on it, I go to Hobby King or Banggood or, or Hacker, Scorpion. What I'll do is I'll look to see, first of all, you know, if I have a, like I have a couple of glow airplanes that have been converted to electric. So I look and see what what it has on a glow, and then I'll start there. Then I'm looking at how many how many watts this motor can put out, and the more watts, the lower that KV number. Usually, the more watts I can put out because it's a lower KV. It's willing to accept more electricity than a higher KV motor, which is meant for faster speeds and faster RPMs. If you think about it that way, the KB is usually an RPM. If you think about it in terms of RPM, then you've got a really low RPM motor. You can use a really large prop and a lot of energy to turn that prop. Where if you have a really tiny motor and it wants to spin at 60,000 revolutions a minute, it's going to be a high, high KB, and you want to use a little bitty prop uh, in order to get the same you know, effect. So for Jim and, and some of the other guys that are glow that are starting to dabble into uh, electrics, I, I think the first major thing for them is to look at the motor and get the specs on it, trying to figure out the how many watts this little air, this little motor will produce 
And will that be equivalent to the size of my airplane? So, I mean, that's a right. good starting point. And then, and then email us, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Hey, I got this motor. What should I do? Uh, right. You, you don't have I, to email and, and us, I, but I'm just saying. And, that, and once you know, again, and once again, I, we say it every time, but going online and going to things like RC groups is tremendous yeah. because there's already been somebody out there who's made a mistake or is working on a project for you. So you're not starting totally in the dark. So if you have a plane that you want to convert, you can go on there and say, I, you know, and, and just type in there, uh, converting, um, a SIG cadet to electric and somebody's done it or, you know, where they have a kit that is electric and you can go on there and you can see what motors they're using. Right. And now that's just, that's taken out, you know, there's half your guesswork is out because now you look and you see all the motors that everybody else is using. You can see like there may be two guys that are using two totally different motors and the, after a while, you can even ask the guys, well, why are you using this motor as opposed to this other motor? And the guy goes, well, because I want to stand this plane up on its tail and go up and, and walk it down the street where the <laughs> other guy's just put, putting around right. and, you know, and towing gliders or something. You know, he doesn't need that kind of performance out of his out of his aircraft. You know, once again, there's that difference in style of flying. But at least there's a reference. You can get on there and you could talk to those guys and you could see about, you know, batteries they're using. And it's it's a huge stepping stone for figuring this stuff out and then it'll start to click as to what you need or what that plane, you know, desires or, or wants or special specialties that it needs because, you know, it, because like I said, uh, well, I'm trying to think of a plane that I had. Um, it wasn't that tall of a plane and therefore I couldn't put that big of a propeller on it. Mm -hmm. So I had to go up in voltage. I had to get a, a motor that had a little bit more RPMs on it um, in order to get the equivalent power. You know, right. so it was one of those things I had to think, I had to rethink my, you know, how I was going to use this setting for, for my setup. And that's a little bit more challenging, but, you know, after asking some questions, uh, it, it's pretty easy to figure out after a while. Well, that's where I think I would start motor first. And then, uh, when you figure out the motor to go in, look for the ESC, um, you know, whatever your burst is on the motor, just kind of go up a couple and then grab the propeller that it suggests. And then drag out your watt meter, put it all together, see how much power you're yeah. actually you, producing. And, and and folks, this is the great thing about watt meters. They've dropped. They're only 20 bucks. Yeah, they're 20, 30 I have bucks. two of them actually. They're 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 terrific. And and even they even have them now that they're so small that you could put them in a plane and go fly the plane around, right. land it and they could tell you what your battery performance was doing, how, you know, while you're flying, you know, where it was really using the most energy, if it was a fit, you know, you can look at all sorts of things and, and you can figure out from that, you know, you can figure out what props, the best prop to use. And and that's the big thing too. You know, for me, even though I had a watt meter, sometimes I would go fly the plane. And even though let's say a 10, six prop was the best performing one, uh, you know, for the, for flying the, the battery for a longer period of time, it just, just didn't give me the performance that I wanted out of something else that was six, four or six, three, or, you know, I mean, or 10, three or something. And then I put that on there. I was like, Ooh, well now this, this flies a lot better with this prop. You know, it's just one of those flying things, I guess. Well, you, you always tell a really interesting story about, uh, when I came up to Alaska with those slow flies and we had, uh, two totally se separate, uh, oh, systems. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good story. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Mike came up to visit me one time up in Alaska and uh, we, like I said, at that time, we were, we were flying a lot of blue core stuff, and we had this uh, 3D 
it's a, I guess, a trainer plane. It was called a Slow Fly 28. We got up my blue core, and Mike made one in like 15 minutes, and I took maybe two hours. <laughs> and the thing was, they're, they're totally what the same except saying? for two. <laughs> well, you just if the shoe, cut if it the out. the shoe just, fits where it's And just, right, yeah. And just flew the thing, you know, made this thing. I was all being meticulous and whatever, and it just didn't matter. It, in the end, it didn't make, make the plane fly any better than yours, you know, cut out with a pair of scissors. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> Um, so the big difference, so here was the difference between Mike's plane and, uh, and my plane, Mike's plane flew. Uh, I do believe you had a two cell, a two cell in yours, right? I did with a 1500 KV motor. Right. And you had a 15 or 1700 KV yes, motor and it was the same, it was the same manufacturer of the motor. Okay. And, um, I had, and I had a, um, 1300 KV motor, but I flew mine on a three cell and, the thing was, same equipment, same servos, same everything. When you flew the two planes, they flew pretty much the same. I mean, I, really, it was really hard to tell the difference between the two aircraft. Now, to, where they differed at was Mike could fly a little bit longer than I could, mm -hmm. but I had a little bit more bottom end than he had. That's true. But, but other than that, the planes flew pretty much the same they you could both hover they could both do you know all the 3d maneuvers we wanted um it was just that little small difference between the planes now mike's plane was a little lighter than my plane because he was flying with a two cell than my three cell you know i had a little bit more weight um but once again i could pull out of a hover a little faster than he could but it, it for at that time that our level of flying it just didn't matter. I mean, it really did. Yeah, the performance was but, pretty close to uh, to about as identical as you could get it for being. Yeah, here it was. We had two different battery set setups, two different KV setups, but we ended up with the same performance. Ultimately, I guess what I'm saying is, don't worry too much about it. It just kind of comes down to what you have, what you're looking to do. You know, maybe you want you might want to build a really light build you know, like Mike did. Um, and that wasn't why he built his, what it's just what we happened to have right. at the time. Yeah. Um, it was, it, but, it was what uh, was in my box actually. Yeah. It, it was what was in his box. So motor. It, it just kind of comes down to the style of flying you're doing, what you're trying to, what, what, you know, what type of, what, what you're, how you're trying to fly your aircraft, what you have, but ultimately as long as it all fits and it all works, it all, it'll all work out because uh, I think, I think you had a larger prop than I did. I had a smaller prop than you did. You know, you know, that's a good question. I, I thought we had the same size prop, but I may have had just a, an inch. I think, bigger. I think you had a little bit larger. Prop yeah, than I did. I not think, much. I think like you had a 10 inch and I had a nine inch or something like, or eight, yeah. you know, that type of thing, eight, nine, it was like a one inch difference right. in the props. But like you said, it, they all performed exactly the same. Yeah, performance wise, they they were pretty pretty close to match, and we actually had a lot of fun with those. We flew them to sure did total destruction. Destruction. <laughs> I mean, I I don't remember. We strapped streamers to the back of them and chased each other around, and uh, I, I I don't think we've ever laughed so hard uh, at flying at a field because we were having well, so that, much fun with those. That things. that's the beauty of blue core. Yeah, you know? well, I mean, because because I I think after you know besides the blue core. Once you had the initial, you know, servos, which they were nine gram servos, yeah, they were like just, three dollars. You know, they were three or two dollars a piece, and so we had four of them, right? Yeah. So that the escape was ten or fifteen bucks, and then the motors we were, we were uh, using, um, the blue one, they were called Blue Wonder motors. They were also they were eight dollar motors, I think. Yeah, five, I think they were five bucks. Yeah, somewhere somewhere around there. 
but uh, ultimately, you know, if you look at the main components, you know, and your, and of course your receiver, which was probably the most expensive thing at the time. Um, yeah. Like 30, once 30 you had bucks that, into the whole mo- into yeah, the whole game. And, and the blue core was nothing. I mean, right. it weighed nothing. It, it cost nothing. Yeah. Um, so like I said, we just flew the planes to destruction and it was just, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And you didn't have to worry. You smashed it. Oh, whatever. You just walked over, grabbed some tape, <laughs> you know, taped it up, slapped some glue. That's on. right. Some packing tape or blender. You're good to go. You're good to go, you know. You know, it, hey, I think that's wagon. Ah, it'll still fly. It it's was good. funny, though, because yeah. I had built, uh, when I got up there, I had built probably five or six of these. And I had found out that, uh, you know, my first one was exactly like what Jay was talking about, where it was very meticulous. I traced it out. I mean, I, everything was right on the money. And by the time I crashed three or four or five of them, you know, down to where they were just nothing left of them, I got to the point where I'd just take my X-Acto knife and, wag it you know just be like okay that's close just, enough and, you know, just kind of got it in the general <laughs> it's gonna yeah, fly just, you know i just put it all together i mean i'm out there measuring the thing and i'm doing this and sanding it and doing all the mics like you know like literally with a pair of scissors <laughs> you know kind of cutting around yeah that's about i right. think that's it was an exacto knife but uh yeah okay. i just uh, outlined it traced it cut the the uh, wings out 45 degree cuts blendermed it together i think uh I think you're right. I was done in probably about 15 to 20 minutes, and yeah. Jay was over there just just finishing up his drawing. I don't know, what, I don't know what he was doing over there, but uh, he looked up and went, "You're done." I was like, "Yeah," but it was a great time. Uh, they were fun airplanes. Yeah, it was. And I still own several actually in the other room, so uh, they're fun yep. to kind in fact, of. Just you got get out uh, AK Mike. Uh, AK Mike started on that. Stuff yeah, that's when right. He came down to see in Arizona, so no, they're fun to just go out into the, the you know backyard or front yard and. Uh, you know, just fly them around. If they hit a tree or whatever, you're not crying, you know, because you busted up your balsa wood plane. So, well, uh, hopefully that answers some of the questions that uh, Jim has. I know it's kind of um, one of those things that converting, you know, if, honestly, I've never flown glow, so I don't understand the slimer part of it. I know Jay's got some experience flying some of that, but uh, for Very me, cool. I've been an electric since day one. Um, there, You know, I've always had electrics. Uh, not saying that I wouldn't like to come down there and fly with Jim and the, and the guys, you know, try it, try my hand at glow, but, uh, or, you know, some sort of a motor slimers, I guess. But, uh, for us, it's been a, a long haul, you know, kind of trying to hit and miss and figure it all out. And in today's world, it's so much easier because the manufacturers have already done all the research for us. Uh, I actually have a couple of sheets printed out that have all the information if I want a motor, I just open my drawer, pull it up, look at it, see what it does. Gives me all the KVs, right. gives me all and, the and, prop settings and all that stuff. And, and it's, between, it's like that. you said, between Hobby King and like or E-Flight, I yeah. mean, they'll say hey, yeah. this is a Power 32, this is a Power 50, this is a Power 60, right. Power 90 motor, and here's the and get this escape with this. Right. Fly these batteries with this combo, or you just get the combo. You just go down there and say, I, I, I'm, I'm converting this plane. Okay, here's the, here's the you know, 60 combo, sure. or here's the 40 combo. Right. There's everything you need. It is pretty convenient. Yeah. And they, they have uh, several motor mounts, too, for, to, uh, to add to the front of your motor box when you get rid of your glow. Pull the glow motor off there. It's, it's shorter that's the, than the, the... That's the biggest problem, yeah. I think, with the, any of this motor stuff, because um, honestly, when I would do a conversion like that, the the thing I would I would know about the size of the motor that I needed, you know, 
mm-hmm. the biggest thing I would look for would be how how much room there was. So let's say it was 60 centimeters. Then I'd look for a motor that was 60 centimeters, right? Or, or close to it. Sure. Because what typically would happen is you'd have a, the motor would be way shorter than, than the engine that was in there that I was replacing. And that was the hardest part about that because then you'd either have to make a motor mount or you have to put extensions or legs or, you know, standoffs or something to, to take up that room. Yeah. So and that's something that that's was, come along that way was too, is those standoffs, you know, they, they used oh, to yeah. put washers behind it and, you know, a screw, a thread all or whatever. And now they've actually got them to where they're one inch, two inch, three inch, up, up to like five inches. So, and they're aluminum. Or those motor mounts they have now, they're, they're all pre-assembled and then right. they have all this adjustment in them and you yep. just screw the thing on the top and just move it back to it fits and then screw it down. Yeah. That's oh, what I have like one of those. I think, easy peasy. My, um, my Katana. Oh, yep. Yeah. yeah. It's Either all Katana metal. or you have that in the biplane. One of those. Yeah, it was one of them. But, yeah, it just moves back and forth, and you just turn a couple of screws and slide it where you need it to be. It works perfect. Now, it's not cheap. It's probably 25 or $30 for that metal motor mount, but it was worth it to me because I can I can get the motor exactly where I want it compared to, uh, you know, just using standoffs. I can go and get it an inch or two. And, and, and doing some whittling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Making it fit. Well, uh, I guess an update on the field. Uh, I heard you uh, painted some things, or what did you do down there? In yeah, uh, well, uh, in between the uh, – we actually had a break in the weather a little bit where it dropped down to the 80s, like well, high 80s, I should say, like at 7 o'clock in the morning. And so I ran out there, and um, I finished uh, scraping off one of the uh, one of the, the benches that are out there because it's a metal bench with a wooden top. So I scraped off all the rust and I repainted it. And uh, so one down, one to go. Um, I'm just waiting for another break in the weather when I can get out there and not die. Um, <laughs> yeah, I hear you. And, and start re- and scraping all the paint off and, and rust off the other one so I can repaint that one. Well, good. Well, we're uh, interested to hear how, uh, how that goes. And, um, you know, Jim, if you uh, have any questions, go ahead and email us again or give us a call and, uh, if you're listening anywhere in the world and you have a comment or or a question, then uh, feel free to email us, partflyerpodcast. Or if we've confused you anymore, I got you more confused, please uh, give us a call <laughs> yeah. or, or write us and we'll try to we'll try to unconfuse or, or, or we'll have an update the next time we come back on. <laughs> it's true. So, Well, it's been great talking to you tonight, uh, Jay. That pretty much wraps up our uh, Park Fire podcast for tonight. We um, are okay, looking Mike. forward to uh, seeing you in two weeks. Absolutely. Well, good. And uh, hopefully both of us can get out and do some flying. Yeah, I need to. Been a little to. busy, so. It's been really hot here. We had the monsoon seasons, so a couple of the guys canceled today because <laughs> we had to do some monsoon cleanup. <laughs> In Arizona, you have monsoons. Oh, well, my gosh. Yeah, it does happen. We got a little flash I, I know. It's just, you know, it's, like I said, it's like unbelievable land. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's hard for me to just uh, take all this in. I know. Well takes a little bit of getting used to, but uh, once once you get used to it, it, it makes a lot of sense. Okay. Well, I wish you best of luck, and hopefully you can get out and get some flying done. Yeah, so. Same to you. I appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, folks. We'll uh, talk to you again in two weeks. Have a good night. Good night, folks. See ya. You have been listening to the Park Flyer Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to your next visit. Please give our show a star rating and review. And feel free to email us your questions, topics, or suggestions to parkflyerpodcast at gmail.com. 